Welcome to the study of the Book of Acts, also found on the Evangelism Podcast, available on all social media platforms. This is Johnny Gaston. I serve the local churches in South Alabama as an equipping evangelist, also the president and founder of Reach My City. Each week, I will teach verse by verse through the Book of Acts, a powerful historical account documented by the Apostle Luke. 30 years of exploits of the early church. A relentless advancement of the kingdom of God on the earth through believers filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Join me now as we take a closer look together into this section of the Bible. Hey, I like that one better. Did you see her shirt? The gospel is... It says the gospel can't be canceled or is not canceled. That's awesome. Well, welcome to the Acts study. This is the introduction, and uh, those who are watching live, I also want to let you know that you can access this content also the day after on YouTube. You can uh, actually subscribe to our YouTube channel, our YouTubeans, and that is uh, Reach My City Evangelism. Also, it will be uploaded as a podcast. If you'd like to listen to podcasts, all your podcasting platforms from Spotify to iTunes, um, Anchor, it's, it's going to be everywhere, and you have to look up the Evangelism Podcast. I almost forgot. That's a pretty simple name, right? It is. Yeah, we got to think of something better than that. Podcast. The Evangelism Podcast. And so those are different ways to access the study. Make sure you click the share link. That's the way to get this study out so other believers might uh, find it. And um, anyway, as we get started to today, uh, we have several believers here from different local churches. And I want to invite you to come and be a part of this as well on Monday evenings. Uh, you can actually be in person, 6 p.m. sharp. Uh, we actually come in here and drink coffee, and we have snacks available as well. And, um, but I also wanted to tell you that, uh, just to kind of get this out here, that this is going to go on for quite some time. <laughs> I was asked earlier how long this study is going to last, and I couldn't help but to laugh a little bit because we don't know. Uh, we're going to go through an expository teaching series, and what that means is we're going to do an in-depth, uh, kind of an inductive study of the book of Acts, which is such an important book. There's 28 chapters. You, you would imagine it'd be 28 months. I highly doubt that. I think it could be a year. At least. So at least that Jake's, that's probably more accurate. It's going to be at least a year. So anyway, thank you for joining us. I also wanted to say um, that I'm not your pastor. Uh, I, in fact, I'm not a lead pastor of any church. Uh, I am an evangelist. I am an ordained minister at Grand Bay Community Church. I also represent a multitude of local churches here in the Mobile, Alabama area. So wherever you're watching around the world or around the country, the tens and tens of people watching right now, probably not hundreds, but we're going we're gonna to grow organically. So share it. But I, I want to tell you that uh, you need a pastor in your life. That's the first thing. This doesn't supplement a local church or your local church Bible study. You need to be a part of your local church's ministries and, and such and have a shepherd in your life. I am an evangelist uh, to the churches. And so what that means is, found in Ephesians chapter 4, I am to equip and train and mobilize and provoke people on towards love and good deeds, as Hebrews 10, 24 through 26 says. But it also says to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It's so important. And so that's why we say thank you for joining us, but I hope that you will join a local assembly, a local church where you can be loved and discipled and you can grow. So don't just show up, but grow up. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we want you to grow up in the Lord. So this Acts study, um, I just want to kind of go through kind of an introduction, but I also want to share with you, there's some study helps to kind of help you through this entire uh, trek through the book of Acts. First of all, you need to download an app on your phone. It's called Uversion. So if you don't have Uversion, it's a Bible app. Go ahead and download that, whether it be Google Play Store or Apple App Store. 
Download version. If you have it, you can go ahead and pull that up on maybe an iPad or maybe another device. Maybe you're watching this live on your phone. You can't actually pull that up and maybe you pull it up later. All you do to access all of my notes for this study is you go to version, and on the right-hand side, you'll see where it says more. And then on the left-hand side, it'll say events. And then if you're in Grand Bay, it'll immediately come up as Reach My City. Has anybody found that? Y'all found that? Good, good, good. For you, you'll probably have to uh, look up Reach My City, and you'll find the study, and you'll have access to all of my notes and um, the overview of Acts and the, the further study and all of those things. Also, what will be available on that app is further study. So you'll see at the bottom of there, it'll actually have where you can actually read the book of Acts and actually you know, go along a reading plan. I think there's an Acts study for like 14 days. There's another one where you can read Luke and Acts for like 54 days. And then there's an introduction act. So there's plenty of study helps as well. At the end of tonight, I'm going to be sharing with you how to study your Bible. You know, Jake, um, it's been said that if you, you feed a man a fish, if you caught it for him, you can feed him for a day. But if you teach him how to fish himself, feed him for a lifetime. So we don't only want you to join our study. We want, we want to help you study the Word, the Word of God. And so uh, we're going to share with you how to study your Bible at the end of this as well. So without further ado, I want to introduce to you my teaching partner. This is Jake Awarda. And uh, he is a great friend of mine. He is also my preaching partner. On Friday nights, we open air preach at the Walmart in Tillman's Corner as well as downtown Mobile. And uh, that's, that sounds pretty crazy. But I was actually uh, contacted today. <laughs> I was actually contacted today by a friend. And you're going to love this. He said, I, I know why you're teaching the book of Acts, Johnny. I said, yeah, why is that? He said, because an open air preacher like yourself makes you look a lot more sane. It makes you not look so crazy. You know, people go through the book of Acts and they go, oh, yeah, normal biblical evangelism. People preaching in the public square. I said, yeah, that has something to do with it. Just a little bit. It has something a little bit to do with it. You can't get to the book of Acts without seeing open-air preaching in the first few chapters. And uh, then people go, oh, that's why Johnny does that. But anyway, the book of Acts. John the Baptist. John Jesus, the Baptist. Jesus. Jeremiah the prophet. All the prophets. Then you got Isaiah. Isaiah. So you're just you're Ezekiel. Alive. I'm in line. I'm in good company. That's right. Spurgeon, Whitfield, Moody, Jonathan Edwards, Wesley, Wesley, Billy Graham, open air preached. I think they said that Billy Graham open air preached and he was thrown into a ditch. But the good thing is he didn't give up. (laughs) He preached until he was, what, 98? Did he die at 98? I think it was. Amen. In fact, mentioning Billy Graham, Billy Graham, the, the great evangelist, said this. He said, large crusades to which I have devoted my life will not finish the work. He said, however, one-to-one will. And we're going to see that in the Word of God as we go through the book of Acts. The book of Acts, A-C-T-S. You know a good acronym for the book of Acts? A Christian Training Seminar. It's cutting-edge evangelism. It really is. And, uh, you know, you go through the book of Acts and you can't help but get zeal for the gospel. In fact, that's the purpose. You might think, why, why are you doing this, Johnny? Uh, I'm doing this to, to accommodate the believers that are in my city, as well as other cities and surrounding cities, to reach their city with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, Reach My City is our ministry, and our entire purpose is to literally just come alongside the local pastor, the local church, the local believer, and help them, equip them for the gospel. So as we get into this, I want to say a word of prayer, and then we get right into our study. It's going to be Acts chapter 1. We're going to be going um, 1 through verse 8, and we actually might get to verse 11 if we're lucky tonight. I'll always give you a running start every single night. If this goes 12 months like I was saying, or maybe even longer like Jake was saying, 
Every time you join the study, let's say you have to miss next week, and you're like, oh man, I missed, I'm going to be behind. Well, every single time we come here, I'll go 10 verses ahead. I'll go 10 verses backwards. I'll make sure you understand the context of where we are in the narrative of this redemptive plan that God has for humanity. So the book of Acts falls in line to be the, really the only recorded history of the early church. It's 30 years of exploits of the early church that um, we say that Luke has written. Now, scholars and uh, you know, Bible theologians, preachers, all say it was Luke, and there's evidence of that, and we're going to be reading that. But let's go into a word of prayer, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Luke. Father, tonight as we gather together, believers around the world, believers in different parts of the country, and believers right here in this room at Grand Bay Community Church, Father God, I know that the great Father God transition here is from believers being anointed to do your work to believers being infilled by the Holy Spirit to have the power to do the work, Father God, all of us together would come together and make a unique body of Christ, all having our own gifting, Father God, and nuances, and, and, and Father God, personalities, Father God, to bring to the table. Lord, let us use all of our gifts, all of our personality, everything that you've given us. Let us use that and expose that, Father God. Just uh, dispose that for your purposes, Father God. Lord, let us, let us give of ourselves wholly and completely to the task of the Great Commission, Father God. That's what this book is all about, the Great Commission, the gospel going forth in power, Father God, not being able to be stopped. Your word says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, and we're proof today that it has not prevailed against the church. Father God, tonight we're recognizing that we're in desperate need of your spirit to come. Lord, and teach us, bring us into all truth. Help me, God, to be a faithful minister of your word and to teach your word diligently, God. God, your word says that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek after you, God. And so let us do that together, God, as one body. Many denominations, many different people, different backgrounds, Father God, all coming to the table to come to your word and to get from it, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So we're going to get right into the text. Um, we'll start in Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Here it says, The former account I composed, O Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you'll be restoring the kingdom of Israel? Now, I want to stop right there just for a moment. Their mind has now gone to another place. He's speaking to them about the Holy Spirit and filling them and his instructions to wait for the Holy Spirit to come, just like the Father promised. And what do they do? It's like having ADD. They go to something else. They go, oh, is it now that you're going to reveal the, you know, you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And what did he say? He corrected them. It's almost like my daughter. I have a seven-year-old named Gracie, and she's like that. I'll tell her, sweetheart, I want you to clean your room. Well, she'll start talking about this and that and this, and I'll say, she'll say, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Sweetheart, listen to me. 
clean your room. Here's what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying. And that's kind of like what he did here. He corrected them. He said, listen, this is uh, verse 7. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times. My version here, the NASB says, are the epochs or the dates which the Father is fixed in his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts to the ends of the earth. Sound familiar, right? That's the Great Commission. What we know is the Great Commission. It's funny. Uh, one time I was uh, preaching in a church, and I had this woman who was looking kind of odd at me, like she didn't really appreciate what I was saying. It's happened before. A few times. Time or ten. And uh, so I thought, I'm going to go meet this, this lady after I get done. So I, I did. I, I met her, and I said, is there anything that I said that may have offended you or maybe something you didn't understand? She goes, she goes, oh, sweetheart, don't, don't worry about me. She says, I have hearing aids and the battery's going out. She said, so I, for some reason, I kept on thinking you were saying vandalism. She said, how vandalism for Jesus? That, we don't do that. She said, said no, evangelism, not vandalism. <laughs> she, <laughs> she thought I was saying vandalism. Vandalizing for Jesus. You ever heard of that? Uh, and I had another moment kind of like that where a guy disagreed with me, something in my sermon, and I, he actually approached me at a different time, and he said, listen, he said, most of what you said was very good. He said, I, I agree with about 98%. I said, well, that's pretty good. And uh, he said, one thing, though, I did not like, and I don't agree with it. And I said, okay, that's fine. Well, let, let's go to the Scripture. Show me. And he said, well, you said that everyone's called to go to Samaria. That doesn't make any sense. The Bible says we're to go into all the world. Why are you saying that we're all called to go to Samaria? That doesn't make sense. And I had to think about it for a minute. Yeah, I thought, I didn't say that we're all called to go to Samaria. And I thought about it. I said, no, no, sir. Some area. We're all called to some area. Not Samaria. <laughs> we're all called to go to some area. And that's really the, 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 hey, that's what we're talking about tonight. We are all called to go to some area. And guess what area we're called to go to? Wherever your feet are right now, currently, that's your mission field. You say, where's my mission field? Where's the Lord calling me? Look down where you're at. You know, missions isn't about going somewhere else. It's about being intentional where you are. And so here in verse 8, it says, You receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You should be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, where they are, and all Judea, in some area, right, Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. This thing is going to go to the ends of the earth. And it cannot be stopped. Verse 9 says, And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while he was looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. As they were gazing intently to the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing beside them, his angels. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? That's a great question. You know, I, th I think we need to hear that afresh. Maybe the church needs to hear that. Why do you stand gazing at the, at the sky? Didn't I tell you to do something? Listen to this. He says, because the inference there is, what are you doing? <laughs> That he literally said, why are you gazing at the sky? said, this Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you've watched him go into heaven. So they're, he, they're basically saying, hey, go do what he said. Stop gazing into the heaven. Look, he's going to come back. He's going to return. But what you are to do is to do what he said to do. And, you know, if, if it's going to be my last words, if I was going to die and you were around my, my, my deathbed, I would want for you to listen to my last words. And, and I would 
think that you would make those your first priority. Your, my last words would be your first priority to, to commit to. What was his last words? We're going to see that. Uh, this is your running start tonight. We're going to go into the book of Acts. Or sorry, the book of Luke. The book of Luke. And as you turn there, I want to share with you a little bit about this. So Luke is the writer of the book of Luke and also the book of Acts. And so this is a unified work. Um, really, if you think about it, you can read the book of Luke and go right into the book of Acts, and it seamlessly goes from one part into the next. And so you see in the beginning, the first verse of the book of Acts, it says, O Theophilus, uh, in my first work that I composed of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And so really, the inference there is that this is a continuation of all that Jesus is continuing to do and to teach. Now, we call this the Acts of the Apostles. Now, some people have, have you know, said, well, that's not really the best way to name it. It's not the Acts of the Apostles. Yes, God moved through these men, but it's really the Acts of God continued, right? He uses men, and then they die, and He raises up more men, right? And so it's the Acts of God. You know, no one stays the hand of God. No one can thwart His purposes. In fact, His purposes are going to prevail. And so it's actually the Acts of God, but we can call it the Acts of the Apostles. That's fine. And uh, here in, in, from the book of Luke to the book of Acts, it's the only re- recording that we have a historical account, a, as the Bible says, an ordered account that Luke felt you know, it was prudent to write of all that Jesus began to do and to teach and continue to do. And we have 30 years of exploits of the early church. Now, in this uh, history of the church, you're going you're gonna to see this, this seamless transition here not only from Luke to Acts, but even from Mark to Acts, and John to Acts, and Matthew to Acts. So if you don't know Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what we call the synoptic Gospels. And then we have John, which is written later on in his life, really to combat some false teaching that had entered into the church. But the book of Luke is, is one of the most detailed books. And the reason why is because he's an incredible historian. In fact, scholars, secular scholars, use his book specifically, the book of Acts and the book of Luke, about the time period, the, de- the, the places that he spoke of, to see if the Bible, to scrutinize the text. For, for 2,000 years, the Bible's been scrutinized, and yet it's, it stood the test of time and the test of the most extreme scrutiny, and yet it stands the test of time. And so Luke is not only a historian, but he's also uh, Paul's personal traveling companion. In fact, he's, on, he's, he's even his personal physician. Luke was actually a doctor. He's an incredible historian, and we're going to see here, I just want to focus in on some, some last verses here in the book of Luke. First of all, there's a, a place here in the Scriptures in the end of the book of Luke called the Road to Emmaus, and something really interesting happens there. It's verse 13 of, the, of chapter 24, if you're in the, at the end of the book of Luke. Verse 13 says, And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were ta- talking with each other about all these things, which had taken place. This is about Christ being arrested, right? Christ being before Pilate and trial. Uh, Christ being, uh, of course, crucified, buried in the tomb, and then appearing to his disciples. This is after the resurrection had happened, right? So many convincing proofs, as the book of Acts says. Jesus appears literally, literally on this road before these disciples. And it's really incredible what it says here. Just to focus on some verses, verse 31 and verse 32. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. 
and he vanished from their sight. So as he was walking on this road to Emmaus with them, he actually began to, to share with them all the way from the Old Testament, really opening their eyes to what the Scriptures was actually teaching, and it was all pointing to him, right? And so one thing we see in the book of Acts is that the disciples, for the first time, really understood all of the Scriptures. And when I mean Scriptures, I don't mean the New Testament, the Old Testament. So a lot of times in the, in the, new, in the book of Acts, you're going to see as we go through, there's going to be tons of times where they refer back to the Old Testament. In fact, the book of Acts is filled with preaching. There's tons of sermons. There's sermons from the Apostle Paul, sermons from James, sermons from Peter. It's incredible. But you're going to see constantly, and, and in your Bible, uh, it'll either have all capital letters, or it'll just say, as it is written. And every time you see that in Scripture where it says, as it is written, it's always referring back to the Old Testament, from Genesis to the book of Malachi. And so you see that Jesus, here on the road to Emmaus, opened up all that it meant. And for, for that, I mean, you know, the disciples were, at the time of his arrest, scattered, scared, leaving him even. Peter denying him, right? Three times, just as, as Christ told him he would. And yet, after the, the day of Pentecost, which we're going to get to, believe me, bam, all of a sudden, there was this boldness but really, it happened after this point because they realized, not only that Christ, yes, the, the resurrection of Christ definitely energized them. I mean, there's no doubt in that. I mean, seeing the resurrected Christ and the, the Hebrew scriptures fulfilled and Christ fulfilling every prophecy and Christ raising from the dead and appearing to them and many convincing proofs, of course, that energized them. And them, him being on the road and teaching them the Hebrew scriptures, that energized them. And the Holy Spirit indwelling the believers. So not only a person being anointed of God, God moving on a person, but now the Holy Spirit indwelling in believers in power, the same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. Amazing. Now we're going to see here, listen to this. Their eyes were opened after he had shared all these things with them. They recognized him, and then, just like that, he vanished from their sight. Verse 32, he, they said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road? while he was explaining all of the what? The scriptures to us. That is referring to the Old Testament. So Jesus was opening up. John MacArthur did a great study in the book of Acts. If you want to go back to that and watch his introduction, it's, it's actually very, very, very good. But he talks about how that their eyes were open to all of the, the, all the Old Testament, and that truly you know, and, and, you know, energized them to understand the suffering Savior and why he had to suffer, and that he was the Messiah. That was prophesied. Let's just go to verse 46 at the end of Luke. This is just to bring you some context of the book of Acts. And he said to them, Thus it is written. Okay, there's, remember what, what does that mean again? It's the Old Testament. Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead in the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending you forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them as far out as Bethany and lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually to praise him, praising God in the temple. So here it says, this is the Great Commission, right? That Here's the book of Acts in a nutshell. Listen to this. Verse 47. And that repentance 
Forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in His name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth, right? That you will be my witnesses. You are my witnesses. So, you know, outreach is something that we plan and we accommodate churches with and we facilitate and organize. However, God's Word doesn't say, okay, now all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth, and now I'm telling you, go and do outreach. No, He says, you will be my witnesses. That's different. This is, he's saying this is going to be your DNA. It's not something you sign up for in the foyer area of your church. <laughs> it's so funny when we do that. You know, I do an evangelism training course, and I'll say, if you want to go out and witness to people in the streets, then sign up in the foyer area. Guess how many names? Oh, we'll have a crew, we'll have a congregation of like 500 people. We'll have like three or four people sign up. And so the pastor, of course, gets a little frustrated at that, and he'll just tell the whole church, next week we're all going to evangelize. <laughs> You signed up or not, we're going. But this is something, a part of your DNA. You can't separate from it. It's going to be a part of you. You will be my witnesses. Okay, this is not just living a life congruent with God's Word. Of course. Of course. Right? We're Christians. We obey the Word of God. Are we perfect? No, we're not perfect. But God is faithful to finish the work He has started inside of you that born-again work, that being born of heaven, that new creation, no longer a slave to sin, but a slave now into righteousness, He will perfect it. Now, it means you'll be, per- you'll be perfect in this life, but He's perfecting it. You will continually repent, continually strive forward, right? Forgetting those things are behind and rise up again. Why? Because your Father who loves you will chastise you, and He will deal with you if you're, you're a believer. You won't live in sin. You can't. You won't be able to. Because the Father who loves you will discipline you because you're His child. So, we've seen now the book of Luke, how it ends. And then we go right into the book of Acts. And I want to focus on one thing tonight in the book of Acts. And it's, uh, it's actually kind of funny because most people may have seen this before, but maybe they didn't put much thought to it. Or maybe you thought about it and said, well, maybe it's not worth studying. But it's the first thing mentioned here. The first account I composed, O Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Now, most of the times we would say, okay, the important part here is we understand that this was written as a second account. The first one was Luke. Now, this is Acts. We also understand this is about all that Jesus began to do and teach, but we somehow miss sometimes people and and what role they play or what role they could have played. And so we have a guy here named Theophilus. Now, most people would say, well... I don't really know who he is. I mean, I, does anybody know who he is here? Okay, I'm, I'm hearing some crickets. And, and that, that's actually, that's correct. No one knows. And, you know, I did some study. I actually did some very deep study on who this guy was. And I want to bring it out to you today, four possibilities of who he could have been. And the reason why I feel like that's so important as an introduction to this is because think about it. This is the only guy, one guy, who's carrying the only ordered account of the early church. This dude's important. This Theophilus, who is he? And all the scholars, the historians, pastors, people who've looked into this, they've all come to one conclusion. They don't know. They don't know who he is. He's not mentioned again. He's mentioned a few times in Luke and then, and then in Acts. Oh, now, all that we do know about him is he was mentioned with a title at one point. Most Excellent. Theophilus. Now, why don't you call me most excellent? <laughs> I would be loved. I would love. 
That's right. I would love to be called. I'm, I'm kidding. Most excellent in those times, in the ancient times, actually uh, referred to someone who had some high status. Uh, not someone that was just wealthy, but it would be someone, the scholars say together, a high-ranking Roman official. Now, think about it. If he lost his title at one time, you know, Luke no longer says most excellent. Then he just says Theophilus. Now, either that's just a, a friendly greeting because now he knows him more intimately, or there's something else going on here. He'd become a Christian. And at this point, now that he's become a Christian, he's lost his title. So no longer is he saying bow down to Caesar, but bow down to Christ. Could, it could be. Now, there's some theories here about who this man could have been. He could have been, yes, a high-ranking uh, Roman official. In fact, I lean that way myself as I've studied it. However, there's some very interesting things. He could have been a lawyer. Now, just think about this. The book of Acts in the end, I don't want to spoil it for you, but the end, it kind of ends a little bit abrupt. Paul's awaiting trial. What if Luke wrote both Luke and the book of Acts as an ordered account so that Theophilus could defend Paul. That's a very interesting thought. Think about that. He could have been there to defend Paul at the end of the book of Acts. And Luke, the reason why he found it prudent to write this account is so that Theophilus, the lawyer, could defend him and have the documents in front of him. It's very interesting. However, we still see that most excellent, and it kind of makes us lean towards maybe he was that Roman official. Interesting. We don't know if that's the case. The other thing is he could have been a publisher. He could have had, he could have had access to, to different you know, scribes, uh, maybe a, a team of scribes to get this book out. Because we have it now, right? <laughs> so it had to be, it had to be you know, pu published, basically. And in that way, it was given to the right person so that, that it could. Maybe a person of high status that could have gotten that done. We don't know. Now, the other thought is about Theophilus is what his name means. Theophilus. Now, why, why would someone name someone Theophilus? It's kind of a weird name. Think about it, Theophilus. You know, maybe the mother looked at the baby and said, that's Theophilus, the baby I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's a horrible Ray Comfort joke. Yeah, he's throwing something at me. Remind me not to ever say that again, but Theophilus, maybe I've ever seen. Theophilus, okay? Theo, which, you, you know, that sounds familiar, Theo. Theology, right? Theology is the study of God. So what's Theo? It's God. It means God. Ology, of course, is a subject of study, so that's what theology is. Now we have this second word here, which is uh, in, in the ancient times in Greek, is phil or philos, which would be friend. Now, in the, in the Hebrew, there's three words for love, and in the Greek, there's three words for love. In Hebrew, it's raya, ahava, and dod. In the Greek, you have three words, which I wish we had three words. I mean, I could say I love my wife, but then I can also say I love tacos. Let's hope that's a little different love, right? I hope they don't love my wife the same way I love tacos. In fact, I've told my wife sometimes, I wish you loved me as much as you loved food. I don't know if I could handle that type of love. I mean, everyone loves food. But we have one word. So that love gets a lot of miles, that word love. But in the Greek, there's agape, there's phileo or phileos, 
And then there's Arias, or Eris, which would be agape, which would be unconditional love, love that has no strings attached, love that God has towards us. Then there's Eros, which would be Dode in the Hebrew, which would be the sensual, that would be love between a man and a wife. And then you have Philio, which would be where we find this, would be friend love, love between a friend. Maybe that would be love for tacos, I'm not sure. But uh, either way it goes, what's his name mean? In the literal sense, it means God friend. Think about that for a minute. God friend. He's a friend of God. He's loved by God. Now, what if, just what if, okay, just roll with me here. I'm not, this, I'm not, this is not biblical truth. This is just me thinking. What if this isn't a person? We know it's not a place. There's no place named Theophilus. What if this is a group of people? The God friends. People who are a friend of God. He's literally addressing us. In the beginning, he says, Oh, Theophilus, oh, God friends. Oh, those who've become a friend of God, right? We know in, in, in Romans chapter 5, 8 and following, it says that we were enemies of God at one point. But now God has made us a friend, right? Not just a servant to not know what the master's doing. We're not just a servant. We're at the table. We're a friend of God. You know, song, I am a friend of God. We are God friends. So what if he was addressing believers there? I don't really think so, but it's interesting. It's a great theory. Because that word most excellent is there. So we do think it might have been a Roman official. So here in the text, what you find is an ordered account given by Luke to Theophilus for the purpose of showing 30 years of exploits of the early church. Now just to give a brief overview, uh, just kind of, I want to share with you as well, we're going to at 6.45 each Monday evening, we're going to give you a chance to do uh, a Q&A give you a chance to respond. My buddy Jake here is going to be watching the comment section. He's going to be letting me know the comments that are going on on the Facebook thread. And then in here in the, in the room as well, we have believers gathered, some, the, some Theophiluses. You know what, man? I just got that. We are Theophilus. You are a Theophilus. If you know Christ, you are Theophilus. We are God friends. Amen. That's, I'm no longer an enemy. I'm a friend. Man, that's awesome. Amen. So at 6.45, we'll stop and do a Q&A, and we'll have that 15 minutes. Uh, this study lasts one hour. So I had a pastor friend of mine say, Johnny, I don't think you can do that. I mean, you're, can you really do it just for one hour? I'm long-winded, okay? But I can do it, I promise. So we're going to kind of go to a point now. We're going to kind of wind down and kind of take everything I've said, and we're going to kind of um, just kind of go over the book of Acts as an overview, kind of a bird's-eye view, so that way as we get into the book, you understand it. The book of Acts also called the Acts of the Apostle, does not specifically identify the author. The author. Now, here's where we know it's from Luke. Okay, Luke 1, 1 through 4. Okay, and Acts 1, 1 through 3. We know that the same author wrote both Luke and Acts. The tradition from the earliest days of the church has been that Luke, a companion of the Apostle Paul, wrote the books Luke and Acts. Colossians 4, 14, and 2 Timothy 4, 11. The dates that this book was written was most likely between A.D. 61 and 64. The purpose of the writing of this book is written to provide a history of the early church. The emphasis of the book of Acts is the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Acts records the apostles being Christ's witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the surrounding world to the ends of the earth. The book of Acts sheds light on the gift of the Holy Spirit, 
who empowers, guides, teaches, and serves as a counselor, reading the book of Acts. We are enlightened and encouraged by the power of the gospel as it spread throughout the world and transformed lives. Many miracles were performed during the time of the apostles to validate their message. The book of Acts covers the, tr the transitional time between the ascension of Christ and the completion of the New Testament canon. And the apostolic miracles were God's means of authenticating His message through the men who penned the Bible. Now, just to give you a brief summary of the book of Acts, it gives history of the Christian church and the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ as well as its mounting opposition to it. Although many faithful servants were used to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ, Saul, also called Paul, was the most influential. Before he was converted, Paul zealously persecuted Christians. Paul's dramatic conversion is found in Acts chapter 9. Believe me, I can't wait till we get there. Now, the book of Acts, it ends in chapter 28. But I want to say that loosely. It doesn't really end. If you think about this for a minute... The book of Acts really didn't end. And I'm not saying that just because there's books behind it. It's because guess what? We are the church. It's still going on, and the gates of hell have not prevailed against it, right? Remember when they were going to arrest once again. Okay, here it goes again. They're arresting the apostles, right? That's a common occurrence. You're going to hear Johnny Gasson was arrested. They're like, here it happened again. He must have been preaching the gospel. It's coming. It might happen right here in our day. And so they were going to arrest him. And what happened? Well, one man, Galamiel, rose up and said, Remember this one guy? He rose up and there were some followers and he had a great following and then he died and they scattered. Remember this other man? Same thing happened. He rose up, had a bunch of followers and caused a bunch of problems and then what happened? Well, they scattered as well and it all, it all ended. He said, Listen, if this is of man, same thing's going to happen. This man's going to die, and the whole thing will die out and be over with. He said, but if this is of God, it cannot be stopped. I love those words because little did he know, those words are still reverberating to this one day we are at today. In 2021, it could not be stopped. Amen? The gospel, no matter how much persecution that arose, it still went forth. The so the gospel can't be canceled. Amen. Cancel whatever you can, but you can't cancel the gospel. Now I want to share with you the book of Acts, chapter 28. Really, if we don't want the readers to read the book of Acts and then get to verse chapter 28, and then we insert what we're doing as a modern American church, and we insert that as chapter 29, would the reader go from chapter 28 to see boldness, obedience, sacrifice, they loved not their life unto death. They gave it all. Not just one hour on a Sunday morning. Not just tithe and leave and do whatever you want. Everything to Christ. Everything. And then put us, the American church, would the reader turn and begin to read about what we're doing and then widen their eyes and go, What? What happened? So one thing the book of Acts does is it's a, it's a great contrast. It shows us how far we've moved from our original mandate. I, I put out on Facebook, you might want to attend to this question, I put it out a few days ago. I just simply said, what are your first thoughts when you think about the book of Acts? What are the, right in your mind, what are the first thoughts that come to mind? 
And so in the Q&A session, I'm going to ask everyone in the room here, if we don't have any questions online, that one question. So be thinking about it here, give you some heads up. So don't go back and look into it, but what first thing come to mind? I want, I want to know your thoughts here in just a few minutes. Speaking of the persecuted church, I think sometimes we forget that there's persecuted believers now. That in our day, there's persecuted believers. In fact, uh, according to the World Christian Encyclopedia, there were close to 156,000 Christians arrested. No, not arrested. Let me start out over. According to the World Christian Encyclopedia, there were close to 156,000 Christians tortured. No, it doesn't say that. I'm sorry. Martyred. In 1998. That was in 1998. 156,000 Christians in 1998 were martyred, and it's estimated that 164,000 will be martyred in 1999. Now that was what? 22 years ago? How many are now being martyred every single year? Think about that just for a minute because you're going to see that constantly as a common thread in the book of Acts. Martyrdom. You're going to see people give their life for the cause of Christ. Paul said to live, to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Listen to what the book of Hebrews says, chapter 13, verses 3. Remember the Lord's people who are in jail. Be concerned for them. Do not forget them. Those who are suffering, but imagine, listen to this. Imagine you're there with them. How many right now are forgotten? Do you pray? Do you pray for the for the persecuted church now? Those that are in jail are are suffering for the cause of Christ. There is a, a website called Open Doors. I believe it's Open Doors USA. You can look it up on Google. And it gives you data. And the, this is relevant, specific data today. And it constantly is updated about the different areas in the world and how much they're persecuted. And they're actually videos that you can access where believers are crying out to America, please pray for us. They're not asking to send anything there. They're saying, pray for this. Pray for, here's the needs we have. Pray for open doors. Pray for these Muslim territories that are killing Christians and, and arresting them. For that to, to cease. Pray for, for this and for that. And they're asking believers to just pray. And here in the Scriptures, what does it say? Here's what the Word of God says. Remember those who are in jail. These are your brothers and sisters. Be concerned for them. Don't forget those who are suffering. But imagine that you're with them in their suffering. I tell you what, what an eye-opening verse that we need to remember. I'm telling you, nothing brings more zeal to my heart. People ask me, Johnny, how do you stay zealous for the gospel? What, what keeps you moving forward? And a lot of times I have to say, it's gratitude for God and what He's done for me. The second thing is, I, can't, I cannot thank God enough for what He's done for me in my words, so I do it in my works. I praise God through my life, just obeying Him. We love Him. How do we know we love Him? Because we obey His commands. 
My Lord has said, preach the gospel to every creature. And I say, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, my Lord. You've called me to do this, and I'm going to do it. Amen? Now, there is a story of a girl, and she said very simply, yes, I believe in God. Now, this story actually comes from the book Jesus Freaks, which is part of the Voice of the Martyrs. This is a DC Talk book. There's another book that I'm going to be reading through the study. It's called Fox's Book of Martyrs. These are actual accounts of people that have died for Christ recently, as well as the apostles and others. But here in the beginning, you simply have a story that you might remember if uh, you were around this time. It was simply uh, Columbine. Do you remember that? Listen to this. She was 17 years old. He stood glaring at her with his weapon before her face. Do you believe in God? She paused. It was a life or death question. Yes, I believe in God. He asked why. Her executioner didn't give her a chance to answer. The teenage girl lay dead at his feet. The scene could have happened in a Roman Colosseum. It could have happened in the Middle Ages. It could have happened in a number of countries around the world today. People are being imprisoned, tortured, and killed every day because they refuse to deny the name of Jesus. This particular story, though, did not happen in ancient times, nor in Vietnam or Pakistan or Romania. It happened in Columbine High School in Littleton, Colorado, and that was in 1999, April 20th. Do you believe in Jesus? It's an amazing thing to think about because we're so, I guess, pampered here in America. You know, we think someone gets on Facebook and comments some mean, nasty comment to a Christian comment, and we think, oh, we're being persecuted. Are you kidding me? There are people being drugged in the desert until they die because they will not deny Christ. And yet here we wake up on Sunday mornings and if, we just, if it's raining outside, we don't know if we're going to go to church or not. I was preaching at a church here locally, Bridgepoint Church, and there was a guy, he looked a little sweaty. I thought maybe he played basketball or worked out before church. So I asked him, I said, hey, what's going on, man? I said, you look a little sweaty. You've been playing basketball or something? He said, no, he said, I walked. I said, okay, what's your story, man? He'd just gotten saved literally like six weeks ago. He'd been walking to church two hours. I said, does anybody know that here at this church? He said, no. And so I want to change that. So I, I asked you know, the leadership there, I said, did you know this guy recently was saved? And he's been walking two hours to this church. They went, What? Two hours? And so they said, that's not going to happen again. So they went up to the guy and they said, hey, we're going to drive you home today. And every Sunday, this elder here is going to come pick you up. But think about the heart. There are some Christians that will wake up on Sunday morning and they won't go to church because it's raining. This man's willing to walk two hours to go to church. A young man about 17 years old. Think about the heart. The obedience, the commitment to Christ. He just got saved like six weeks prior. It's an amazing thing. It should challenge all of us and what, what our obedience and our sacrifices to Christ. There was a guy who had given his entire life to go to Africa. He was, a, he was from Scotland. And 50 years he was in Scotland. And when he came back to America to speak to a group of, of students who wanted to be missionaries, they were talking about his great sacrifice. And he said, oh, I didn't sacrifice anything. He said, oh, it was all a joy. It was all an honor to serve Christ. There was no sacrifice. 
It's an amazing thing. The book of Acts is going to challenge us in that way, in many ways. It's going to challenge us in what our commitment is to Christ. Amen? Yeah. Amen. I want to point your, your attention to uh, the Q&A to tonight. Uh, we're going to have a, t- a time to, to discuss, so if you have the Facebook app pulled up. So the question was, what are your first thoughts when you think about the book of Acts? Anyone? Okay, so she said their acts, what they did to spread this, the message of salvation. Amen. When, when the apostles were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to go out and perform their, their ministries, you know, that, this is where we see that initiating effort. Amen. So the power of the Holy Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost to, and, and dwell the believers to give them the power to be that bold witness. In fact, to piggyback on what you're saying, uh, Ben, uh, you know, that act of, of preaching or proclaiming uh, is, is an act of boldness, of course, but if, if we don't have that, the Spirit of God enabling us to do it, uh, we wouldn't be doing it because uh, all of us feel fearful in, in evangelism and, and sharing our faith. We all feel weak at it, and we were just talking about that earlier, and yet the Holy Spirit gives us power. In fact, Jesus Christ said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you, you want to know what the evidence of the Holy Spirit coming on a person is? Well, what did Jesus say? You will be my witnesses. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the evidence of that is you will be bold witnesses. In fact, sometimes I stand and witness for Christ, and I'm thinking, I can't believe I'm doing this. I stood in front of the White House a few years ago during the Obama term and preached in front of the White House. And I, I was like, I cannot believe I'm about to do this. But the Holy Spirit quickened me and enabled me, and I, I was like a sounding trumpet. I, I, you can believe how loud I was. I believe they could hear me in the entire National Mall. I felt like George Whitfield out there. My voice was so elevated, and the power of the Holy Spirit came upon me to do it. I was like a man from another world preaching. And, and it was just it was a glorious thing. God saved people in that moment. It was amazing right there in Washington, D.C. Anyone else? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Joey Buzza says uh, the power of the Holy Spirit is so just right in line with what you're yeah. talking about. So Joey Buzza commented online on our Facebook thread that uh, the empowering of the Holy Spirit on Acts chapter 2. Anyone else? Thomas? Got anything? What's the first thought that comes to mind? It's kind of vague, but there's no author. No author. Yeah, that's true. Go ahead. Uh, Paul. Paul, yeah. Paul. Amen. Yeah, it's hard not to think of Paul because Paul takes up so much of the book of Acts. In fact, you actually see a lot of the apostles fade out. And the apostle Paul, at the end, it just follows his missionary journeys, the three missionary journeys of the apostle Paul. In fact, something very interesting to note about Acts is you can actually stop in different places and take pit stops in the book of Acts, literally, and just stop there and go to where he's writing a letter. You know, you can see, okay, he's in Philippi now. Or he's in prison now, so now he's writing. This is his letter to the, the church of Philippi. So you see him in prison in Corinth or here and there, and then you can say, well, I can stop here and I can go to the letter that he wrote. And you can actually follow on a map. It's really interesting study where, where Paul went and such. Okay, anyone else? Anything else? Kevin? What's your first thought? Put him on the spot. Book of Acts. The man behind the camera.
reason I'm thinking of the flaming tongues. Okay, yeah. <laughs> the flaming tongues. That's a, that's a good... Just a visual. That's a big, yeah. that's a big deal. That's a big deal. All right, all right. So um, any other comments on Facebook? Uh, none so Not at this time? Okay. Anyway, so we're going to go and uh, kind of, I guess, say land the plane now. And I want to talk about the end. If you're, if you're following me on version, I want you to scroll all the way down to the bottom. And you're going to see right there, it says ways to study the Bible. I'm going to mention several ways in the next uh, eight minutes on ways you can study the Bible. This is what I was talking about in the beginning about, you know, you doing an in-depth study as well. The first thing is uh, an acronym to give you is SOAP. S-O-A-P, right? Uh, first is Scripture. That's the S. O is observation, application, and then prayer. So Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And so if you take your Bible out, you can have a notebook beside you. And you can actually use this as a simple acronym. You can write down as an asterisk, you can write S-O-A-P. And you can write out scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And uh, first of all, you have your scripture, okay? So you read the passage of scripture and write it down, a verse or two that jumps out to you. Observation. This is the important part. What is your personal observations that you note from this scripture? What jumps out at you in this passage? Who is it written by? Who is it written to? Uh, what's one thing you didn't notice before? What seems interesting or unusual? What comes before and after the text? This is important to keep it into context. Is there repetition, comparison, or contrast? And then you have application. How does this now apply to my everyday life? What can I do to apply this to my life today? And then you have prayer. Write a personal prayer based on your observation and your application now that you've read the text. The next thing is study Bibles. I have several study Bibles actually here with me. Um, this one specifically is an ESV study Bible that I have that has commentary at the bottom. has quite a lot of commentary. There's also, I have here, um, this is the Reformation study Bible, which has tons of study notes in it as well. This right here is the Evidence Bible, one of my favorite Bibles, Aaron's too. Uh, this is actually commented by Ray Comfort, the great evangelist of our time. Um, there's also one over here, which is the Life application study Bible, which I love. There's also, of course, a Charles Spurgeon study Bible. Ooh. Yeah, got to have that. Got to, yeah, that's, that's some rich text right there. Um, and, and that right there, the purpose of study Bibles is to help, I guess you might say, not only just inform you in what the scriptures are saying, but to encourage study. See, if, I, if I'm reading a Bible without those study notes, I guess sometimes it's easy just to read the text for what it is. But when you have that half page down at the bottom and you have all those study notes, it reminds you, dig in, study this. Because what will happen, the way it works is you'll find a verse and you'll, you'll, you know, that'll jump off the page at you. Now you'll do your observation. You'll read 10 verses before, 10 verses after, and then you'll go down and look at the commentary. These are theologians, scholars, uh, you know, historians and such that will give you, you know, context and history and people's uh, why, they, why this is important in the Scripture and how it follows along the narrative of what's being said, which is great. The other thing is um, cross-referencing. Cross-referencing is, a lot of Bibles have cross-referencing. And what it is, you may have seen in that small margin on the right-hand side, or maybe it's even in the middle of your Bible, there's tons of, of verses next to each other. Well, what that is, this Bible has it right here. If I want to look up Acts 1.1, then it shows me right here, it gives me other scriptures. Luke 1 through 3, or sorry, Luke 1 3 and Luke 3 23. 
And what it does is that gives me another place to look in Scripture where something that is similar is, is being written. Well, then when I get to that verse, guess what? It'll give me another reference that I can go even further, either back into the Old Testament or into the New Testament. Um, so that helps you kind of go along the, 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 the path of, because we, we see Scripture is completely harmonious all the way through from Genesis to the book of Revelation. Scripture interprets Scripture. So if you want to know what something means, it's good to let the Bible interpret itself. But it's also good to have what scholars have said and historians and all those things, and it just it helps give you a, a well-rounded understanding of what's being said. There's also a thing called hermeneutics. I was waiting on you to say Herman who? Hermeneutics. Exactly. <laughs> hermeneutics. <laughs> hermeneutics. Uh, most Christians ask, what is, what is hermeneutics? Uh, Herman who? Hermeneutics is the art or the science of interpreting Scripture. In fact, uh, you can actually go to Wretched, which is a YouTube channel, and they actually have actual videos teaching what hermeneutics is. You just type in Herman who? And they have some videos. In fact, they have an entire series of hermeneutics. Now, that's a college course like theology is, systematic theology and eschatology and soteriology and all these, uh, these academic words. Well, hermeneutics is something you take in. Ben, you took that in college, didn't you? Yeah, I did as well. So you can actually, uh, you can type in Herman who, which would be just like it sounds, H-E-R-M-A-N. I know there's a cousin of hermeneutics. What's the cousin? Uh, exegesis. Exegesis, that's right. That's the cousin. <laughs> Uh, the other thing is using YouTube and other articles. So uh, when you go online, you can download this, a version app. You can download Blue Letter Bible. There's a lot of great apps out there. There's tons of apps that will give you study helps. The Blue Letter Bible is one of my favorites because it has tons of commentaries that you can access for free. I have some commentaries here. I have good old Matthew Henry, uh, the good old True and Faithful. I have John MacArthur here. I have some others on this side, commentators of the Scriptures. Commentaries are good. Um, once again, it's what you're going to find in the bottom of most study Bibles. Uh, those, that's other way to study the Scriptures. Let's see what if I'm missing something. Um, oh, I was going to talk about, yeah, using YouTube. So you want to be careful, obviously. The YouTubin's machine, okay? There's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of bad stuff. And what I want to do at this point is I want to tell you, ask your pastor... Ask your pastor. Send me a message if you want me to, to respond. But if you didn't know this, there are actually false teachers among us. There's false prophets. Just think about all the people who prophesied that Trump was going to take office. Where is he at now? Those prophets were wrong and they were false. Point blank. So there's false teachers too. And so you need to ask your pastor. You need to let him disciple you in that. Say, Pastor, what teachers do you recommend? What commentaries do you recommend? What study Bible do you recommend to me? And I'll, I'll recommend them as well. If you want to contact me, that's fine. You can contact me here on Facebook. Um, but watching YouTube, there's tons of information out there. But you want, to, you want to filter that through your local pastor. So anyway, thank you so much for joining me for the local study tonight um, on the live study here on Facebook. Also want to remind you it's on YouTube. Our YouTube page channel is uh, Reach My City Evangelism. Our podcast where it's going to be uploaded on audio is going to be The Evangelism Podcast. Was there anything else on Facebook? No, uh, um, Noteworthy? No, we're still good. The tens and tens of people that are watching. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so anybody else have any comments or things to add? Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed the study so far. This was geared towards the introduction. 
And so we're going to get a lot more in depth with this study. The next study will be all about the scripture. So anyway, I hope you was inspired and equipped. And now, do what Jesus said. Don't be found gazing into the heavens. All right, we're, we're, we worship the Lord, right? Oh, Lord, you're beautiful, right? We want to do that. We love doing that. But we can't spend time polishing the brass inside the, the boat of the church and ignore those who are outside the church that need to be rescued, right? We should be spending most or bulk of our time. How dare we lift our hands to God in worship and in adoration and not outstretch our same hands that we're lifting up to reach the loss and the fate that they're in. I want to end with this great quote from Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He said, If sinners be damned, then let them leap into hell over our bodies. If they must perish, let them perish with our arms around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. That is our warning and our pleading with them. It says, not, do not let one man go unwarned, not let one woman go unwarned, our children are unprayed for. So tonight, in ending, we're going to pray for the lost. We're going to pray a very simple prayer every single time we gather together. It's Luke chapter 10, verses 2, which says, The harvest is indeed plentiful, but the labors are few. So Jesus said, Pray therefore to the Lord of the harvest, that he will raise up workers. So let's do that today. Please join me online. Father God, tonight we're so thankful for your word. God, we know that it's sharper than any two-double-edged sword. God, it divides truth from error. It shows us what, who we should be and what we should be doing. God, it brings conviction upon our hearts, and it's like a mirror. It shows us exactly who we are. Many of us tonight need to repent from our apathy. Oh God, you are so merciful and forgiving and kind and so patient with us. God, we can't change yesterday and all the people and all the opportunities we had to witness. There's nothing we can do about that. But there's something we can do about now, today. So God, help us to forget those things that are behind, like the Apostle Paul said, and strain ahead to what's ahead. Heavenward, God. And let us, Father God, be like George Whitfield, who once said to an angry mob as he was preaching, he said, Brethren, I'm willing to be hated by you. I'm willing to be hurt by you. I'm willing to go to jail for you. I'm willing to die for you. But I'm not willing that you not go to heaven with me. God, let that be the heart, the resounding heart that we have, that we might seek and save that which is lost because there's only a certain amount of time left. Give us that zeal and that urgency of eternity, God. Help us to do this. And you, God, you, by your sovereign will, raise up workers and thrust them forth into the harvest field. We thank you for what you're doing in our city and the surrounding cities, God. And we pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So everyone, go to some area. You're all called to go to some area. May God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for the study of the book of Acts. Every Monday, we will right, cover guys. the next section of Scripture. This study can also be found on your favorite podcasting platform by subscribing to The Evangelism Podcast, found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as Anchor. Please subscribe also to our YouTube channel, Reach My City Evangelism, and hit the bell notification so you won't miss anything. Also available on the Apple App Store as well as the Android Google Play Store, search for our free app. It's called Reach My City. Once downloaded, you can access all of our content. It's like having a personal evangelism assistant with you at all times. 
Each week, this study streamed live at 6 p.m. Central on my personal Facebook page, Johnny Gaston. Please send me a friend request so that we can connect to help you reach your city with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. You know, it's, I think the scriptures deepen and widen.